Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 568 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And we have a friend of the show Friday. Ian Mendez joins us to go over the results of the Athletics end of the year Senators fan survey. And we continue our prospect profile countdown going from number 48 to 45. Couple offensive-minded Swedish defensemen. Sens have had some luck with those before. And a pair of CHL studs. We'll get into all that. Plus a quick word on the Battle of Alberta. This is the Locked On Senders Podcast. Your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Friday, May 27th. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube, where you can like and subscribe to the show. And the best way to help us grow is to leave a comment below. Our comment today is, how confident are you in the Senators' ability this offseason to make sure that they are not a bottom feeder Next season, that was one of many topics covered in Ian Mendez's fan survey we'll get to later. But Pilsy, what was your overall impression of that survey? It was very interesting, especially Ian Mendez, the the greatest to ever write about the Ottawa Senators. And he just does such a good job. I loved how he compared last year's survey results to this year because there were some times where things stayed the same. And there was other times where there was drastic changes. And I noted the biggest change was fans uh, kind of um, grading of how Pierre Dorian is doing. And it's it's going down. And uh, he's going to this is a massive offseason for him to kind of turn things around and show the fans that he's still got uh, both hands on the wheel here. And he's steering us in the right direction on the road to unparalleled success. I just want playoff hockey, Pillsy. That was so it. much fun watching the Battle of Alberta. Give me a five-game series where every game is so back and forth and tight rather than a seven-game series where it's blowouts back and forth. That was a fantastic series. Stick taps to both teams. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. That's what you want playoff hockey to be. And we're hoping one day we'll get to see the Battle of Ontario again because that would be just as epic and that, like, I don't usually stay up that late, Ross. I'm a noted Jake Sanderson bedtime kind of guy. I go to bed early, but that I needed to stay up. I did fall asleep before overtime. Couldn't quite make it. But the four goals in a minute and 11 seconds, the fastest four goals in NHL playoff history. That's was absolutely insane. sick. Yeah, that is absolutely sick. Like, that Battle of Alberta game was wasted. That was a drunk, drunk game from both of those teams. And excitement all over the place a controversial disallowed goal to throw in the mix there that ends up kind of being the nail in the coffin for the Calgary Flames and Edmonton fans they go happy with McDavid getting the winner and I'm happy with the Edmonton Oilers moving on too because you want to see the best players on the biggest stage and leave it to Connor McDavid from Leon Dreisaitl to end the series right and Dreisaitl's playing on one leg similar to what Eric Carlson was doing in the 2017 playoffs. And speaking of Eric Carlson, Pillsy, remember when they drafted a small, 
Swedish defenseman. And everyone was like, huh? Yeah. Well, that worked out all right. We have a couple of Swedes coming up on today's draft rankings. Why don't we get into that now and then save Ian Mendez for the end. We've got 25 minutes with the GOAT of Senators Media. Great conversation with him. And then we end off with a little potential trip for next season. So stay tuned for all that. But first, Pillsy, let's get back to the countdown. Coming in at number 48, we are going to Sweden to Elias Salomonson. And that is a longer name, but a shorter guy. I guess he's six foot. He's six foot. We'll give him that. Offensive-minded defenseman. This is a guy who I really enjoyed watching his highlights. Yeah, he's uh, he's a Swedish uh, defenseman, right shot, six foot one, about 183 pounds, and like most Swedish prospects we're talking about, we got to look at his stats from multiple different leagues. But the one we're going to focus on is the J20. That's where he had 35 games, 11 goals, 11 assists, good for 22 points. And something that's important to note about Salomonson is he's one of the youngest players in the draft for us at August 31st of birthday. So. There's a lot of uh, reviews that say he wasn't quite able to elevate his game. And some scouts were saying they were uh, really highly touted, uh, uh, featured him. And then as the season went on, they kind of downgraded just because he wasn't able to elevate his game. In fact, maybe he he even got a little bit worse, which you got to give him a bit of leeway because he's a young defenseman trying to play in a pro league. Uh, he also had some time in the SHL, 10 games, no points. So I think he's someone that since he's so young and, and hasn't quite figured out uh, how to play a big game yet, he's going to need some time here to really know what he's got. And again, we like looking at them playing against their own age group a little bit better since that's what we get out of the CHL with the those guys. They're mostly playing against guys their own age, maybe a couple years older. Whereas with Skaleftia, who Senators fans might remember, the home of David Runblad, magic number seven was absolutely ridiculous with Skaleftia's AH, or sorry, SHL team. But he only had 11 goals and 11 assists. But man, watching his highlights... The way he activated off the point really impressed me. He would get the puck, shimmy shake around two guys, and then put a wrister upstairs. I absolutely love how he's not afraid to take chances at the offensive blue line. And I didn't see a whole lot of turnovers, not that they would necessarily make the highlight reels like others would. But I just think as a whole, watching the way he patrols the offensive blue line and activates inside up to the hash marks to get those shots off. I actually really liked what I saw from Salomonson. Yeah, and he's a defenseman, Ross. How many times do you see this where he is able to score as many goals as assists, like to have it evened up? You can tell he's not afraid to shoot the puck and he's got a decent shot. And I really think a lot of his problems are on the defensive side of the game. Like when you're able to score at that pace, usually what happens is your defense is lacking. And that's what scouts seem to agree is he's he's got the tools. He's got great mobility. He's got a nice shot. He's able to make good reads. But defensively, he still needs a lot of work. So I think he's going to be a, a project prospect. Yes. Like I, a team could select him and hope he figures it out. And maybe after some development and some time and uh, some growth, he will figure it out. Or he doesn't 
fully figure it out. And he's one of those guys that uh, just has a professional career in Sweden, which nothing wrong with that, but he's just not quite able to elevate his game to get to the greatest league in the world, the NHL. So I think there's, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if teams kind of say this is a high risk, high reward type of guy. And maybe they say, we're not looking for that. But if you have the ability to take that kind of risk, I think it'd be a decent play because again, he's so young. So you got to give him a little bit more time here. Exactly. August 31st, as you put, I've got in my notes here, Pilsy, all the tools, but having trouble putting it all together. So similar to what you're saying there, like you can watch him in a glimpse or in a highlight pack like I did and get super excited about him. Like he was roofing pucks from the blue line. And what impressed me most is after he activates the way I told you and beats one defender, he's still managing to find seams through other players. And I didn't see many shot blocks. And I was trying to find clips of like in-game highlights rather than just like the clips of his goals because obviously that's just showing the best and I still came away pretty impressed like to me he should be ahead of the guy who we're going to do next I I really like this player going forward and for me I know oh that might be a little controversy (laughs) I hope so but that's good let me get the rankings back here as I pull them up here because this just shows you the diversity of rankings we told you Bob McKenzie and Craig Button despite both being with TSN they are not on the same page when it comes to a lot of these prospects. Bob McKenzie has him at 33rd on his list, which isn't even the highest. We'll tell you in a moment. But Craig Button at 81, Pilsy, he doesn't think this guy's barely a third rounder. And I think that's where Craig Button is. Again, he usually looks at it from the point of how do NHL teams and NHL scouts think? And he's probably saying, hey, this guy's too much of a project. NHL teams and scouts they're not going to be that interested in him. Where Bob McKenzie has the flip side of that saying, hey, if you got the time and patience to develop him, he could turn into something great. Well, the other two entities that actually ranked him, we'll get to who didn't in a moment as well, but Scott Wheeler has him as a first round talent. 26th on Scott Wheeler's list. I'll read you the blurb right after I tell you that Chris Peters has him at 42nd on his list. So again, this is such an intriguing draft. I don't know if the high-end skill is there past probably the top seven or eight guys, but you're looking at just whose horse are you betting on? And this is a horse I'd bet on because as we said, he's got all the tools, get him in a good development system and go from there. This is from Scott Wheeler's latest rankings. After impressing last season, Salomonson's draft year has been a little more polarizing, disappointing at the Halinkas, and then looking like he was trying to do too much in the J20 regular season. So that in itself tells me that he's a player that knows this was his draft year and maybe he's trying to get a couple extra highlights for the scouts. I still, I agree with Scott Wheeler. He says, I like him and think he's one of the better defensive prospects in this draft. He's got work to do to tighten up his positioning and his reads, but the thing he needs to tend worst on most are just about reps and maturity. So again, get this guy in the system let him marinate maybe two more years over in Sweden at the SHL level where he did get to play 10 games but didn't produce at all, probably only playing eight or nine minutes yeah. or so at that top level. But I would look to bring him over as well, maybe even after one year. And if he can't quite cut it there, maybe you bring him over. I don't know who has the CHL rights, but see if the small ice service, if he's able to manipulate the offensive zone the same way he is over on the large ice in Sweden. But certainly there are some drawbacks in terms of the consistency, but I'm going to as a fan of his, I'm going to spin zone that as saying give him an extra year that some of these players don't have. Yeah, and that's fair. I I think I would be a little more conservative. I think he's going to need two more years in Sweden and I wouldn't bring him over till a little longer, but 
if you're a team that you're not rushed and you don't need entry-level contract guys to come play in your roster, why not take a chance on a young right-shot defenseman? Exactly. That's just it. So let's pull up his uh, his Elite Prospects page here, as we like to do. Watch the show on YouTube. And if you're just getting into the draft rankings, we have a primer about how we do that. That's on our YouTube channel. We've got a specific playlist, 2022 NHL Draft, and then the profiles that go along with it, each one individually. You can see the late birthday, 6'1", 183. Now, you might be like, wait, you just told me six feet. The height and weight that we're putting on the graphics is straight off the NHL Central Scouting page. I just figured that's where they're all listed on the same thing. Yeah. So that is the way Makes we're doing sense. it to have some consistency. But again, it alternates between six foot and six foot one. You can see the rankings there. Puck Authority, well, I'm, I'm not too familiar with, have them all the way up at 15. So that to me, pretty high. They've got him as a two way defenseman on EP ringside. But Pilsy, notice I didn't even mention Elite Prospects. They don't even have him in their top 96, dude. Wow. That's surprising. I know, isn't it? Hmm. So look at this. Like he's put up offensive numbers against his own age group going back to 14 points in 19 games. The sweet it's so insane how many games they play at different levels, right? Like it's crazy. I have to scroll yeah. just to go back 3 seasons. Yeah, we got to get a, a Swedish prospect um, scout or analyst to to explain to us how how that works and why they they are so adamant on getting 10 games in every league for all these guys. It's crazy to me. Now, another part that worries me a little bit is, look at this, Pilsy. Five games, one point, and 29 penalty minutes. He must have just <laughs> lost his, his marbles there at the U18. So, for me, that's that's a bit of a red flag because his team won gold. Yeah. You expect him to be a decent part of it from the back end, but instead he only contributed the one assist, no goals in five games. Yeah, and, and I think that was probably another reason where uh, some scouts are saying a little bit disappointing for him this season. So, Ross, for me, uh, Elias Salomon's son <laughs> is three stars out of five. Yeah, I've got him at 3.5. I'm okay. obviously, I can just tell him a little bit higher on him than you. I just see the potential, and maybe I got my EK65 glasses on <laughs> from, from uh, over 10 years ago, But and I'm not comparing the two. Just because they're Swedish and right shot and a bit undersized doesn't mean that they're the same player by any stretch of the imagination. But I just watched the way he activates off the blue line. I really like that as a project later on in the, I would say, with with that first second rounder for Ottawa, I'd probably be like, ah, oh, really? Like maybe you're leaving some talent on the table yeah. otherwise. But I could find myself getting on board with it. So I'm going three and a half stars for Elias Salomonson. All right, Pilsy, why don't we hit a quick break and then we'll get back to our draft rankings. I believe you have a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Yes, it's one of my favorite products, Ross, and I I swear by it. I use Athletic Greens AG1 every single day. It's a great way to start off your morning and it's easy. All it takes is one scoop of AG1 in your water to start your day off. That's what I do. No pills, no uh, prescriptions, nothing like that. And you're going to get 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and more so you can start your day off right. It's lifestyle friendly. So for those of you that are keto, 
paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, don't worry about it. It's good for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, but still somehow tastes, I love the taste of it. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and they still manage to have it taste good. And don't just take my word for it. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts all around the world. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially with flu and cold season. Things are still hanging around, so you want to make sure you've got a healthy body to fight those illnesses. Just one scoop of, of AG1 in your cup of water to start your day. It's easy. So to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, guys, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition from Athletic Greens. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Senators podcast, free and available wherever you download yours and on YouTube, where a subscription goes a long way, a like and a comment, as well as we continue to grow the show. Next stop, 2,500 subscribers, and we have a Senators jersey for a lucky subscriber. So make sure you hammer that subscribe button as we continue on with our draft rankings. Coming in at number 47, we are going back to the Swedish Junior Hockey League. Matthias Havlet, big fan of this smaller-sized defenseman. Maybe not to the extent of Lane Hudson, but Pilsy hmm. Matthias Havlet from Linkoping. We've already done one of his teammates earlier on. Yep, and I'm glad that uh, Matthias Havlet is right after Elias Salomonsson because they're very similar. And Ross, I'm on the flip side. I actually prefer uh, Matthias Havlet over Salomonson for a couple reasons here. And they're very similar. Right shot defenseman, Havlid sits at 5'10", 172 pounds. His stats in the J20 League are 29 games played, 10 goals, 9 assists for 19 points. And then in the playoffs, he had in 8 games, 5 goals, 5 assists. And he did get a little bit more time in the SHL than Salomonson with 23 games, but similar situation Zero points throughout those 23 games. Tony Ferrari has made an appearance on our rankings. There he we've is. Told, we've told you Tony only gave us his top 32 right now. He's working on the rest. Once we get it, you'll know it. However, he's got him. He's got Havlid at 32nd on his rankings, which is second highest because elite prospects who didn't even rate Salomonson at all, they've got Havlid at 25th on their list. Scott Wheeler has him at 48, and Bob McKenzie down at 76. Not ranked at all from Craig Button. All right, so what is his biggest strength? He's an offensive defenseman, and he has no hesitation shooting the puck from the point. And Ross, and if you guys have been listening for a while, you know I adore defensemen that use the wrist shot from the point. I find too many defensemen, they're like, 
let's wind up and get as much power on this slap shot from the point and just let's see where it goes. Hopefully it ends up at the net and usually they end up missing. It's a turnover. The other team brings it the other way and you're like, why not just take a good, well-timed, accurate wrist shot to create a better chance? And that's what Havla does well, in my opinion. He uses the wrist shot to get through traffic and I watch highlights on him and he can range from a crisp low shot that can be deflected and make its way through traffic or... If he sees an option, top cheese, he goes for it with a quick shot. And he had more goals than assists, Ross, through all three leagues he played in. That's very rare for a defenseman to have more goals than assists. Like, normally you just get a couple secondary assists just breaking the puck out of the zone or whatever. So, that just goes to show you that he he likes to get the puck on net and... We know the Sens love this. He's got some family ties in the hockey world. His dad, Nicholas Havled, had a solid career with, and I love that. Rashers, right? And the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Oh. Not the Anaheim Ducks, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. That's a throwback for uh, for everyone uh, that we haven't heard that in a while. And it doesn't stop there, Ross. His twin brother, Hugo, is a goalie for Link of no Pings, the same team he plays for. So, so he's, I, that's uh, pretty cool. He's Hogberg's backup then. Yes, yeah, there you go. So that's uh, that's just a funny connection. Uh, twin brothers, uh, defenseman, and a goalie. I feel like that seems pretty classic. Uh, I bet you uh, Matias was born a couple minutes early, so he got to say who puts the goalie pads on, and Hugo got the short end of that stick, unfortunately. But uh, apart from that, the reason I like Havlid so much, Ross, is because he excels on the power play. Like I feel like he could be a bottom four defenseman, but a top power play unit guy like this is a power play specialist. As I mentioned, he can get the puck to the net. And when he's in the ozone, like he just, he cradles that puck. He's able to walk the line. It's just, he was made for the power play. And you might think, okay, this is an offenseman. He's a liability defensively. I don't get that impression. Uh, McKean's hockey states that he's still a reliable defender as well. So there's a lot to like about Havlitt here. And uh, I, I'm on his side. Just looking up his dad as well, a member of the 2003 Mighty Ducks that made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals against um, against New Jersey there. Um, however, he's six feet tall, so hopefully he's got a couple inches left in growth, talking about young Matias, but and his brother's 5'11 as well. So you're hoping that he's not going to end up being a 5'9", 5'10 defenseman at the end of the day. I put that he's mobile, but not necessarily dynamic. He wasn't impressing yeah, me off fair. the blue line the same way that uh, that Salomonson was, but at the same time, he was getting those wrist shots through at an extremely high rate. So there's value in that. Could he be a quarterback of a power play unit at the NHL level in time? I believe so. However, he's got to bulk up. Not only adding a couple inches, you can't understate. Size is important to be a defenseman at the NHL level. Sense fans know that for just from what they've seen come through. You know, your Mettes, your Branstroms, there's a reason that's holding them back from being legit top four options unless you're lane hudson unless you're lane hudson then you're you're playing like patrick kane on the back end and you're just buzzing out there uh we we had some people who were like lane hudson man throw him with clevin however you look at uh yeah no it's a fair pushback i'm just thinking like bulk up a little bit more and because lane hudson the way he plays defense like he's just stripping guys off the puck i think that there, there has to be a bit more work rate with these other guys to be able to catch up to what he does but 
I'm, I, I'd be okay with it. I got him at three stars, Pelzi. I think that I could talk myself into it if they take him in the second round, maybe a little bit later, because you're looking for that separating quality. What's going to make them a proper NHLer? And I think that he's got that ability to find seams through the offensive zone. He had a sick one-timer as well. He was using that in certain, so he's got a great shot. And I like that as his separating quality. If he can become a defensive mind defenseman, man, his dad was an unbelievable defensive defenseman yep. at the NHL level. So not only is he going to have coaches who are going to help along the way, but having that family help, I'm sure will help develop him into a good NHLer. So I've got him at three stars. How about you? I got him at four stars, Ross. I, th- I just think when you're able to quarterback the power play like he is at this young age, I think he's he's going to have to work on the defensive side of the game, that's for sure. But he's not a liability, so it's not a red flag for me. It's something that, with time, he's going to get better at. The hockey bloodlines, I love that. He This is someone that's very focused on uh, the game of hockey, and he's got a professional attitude, which I think is, is a big bonus, and that's something the Sens value as well. That's why I put the, my Sens stars a little bit higher at four out of five stars here. And I just... I really think that he he would be someone that by the time he's ready for the NHL, there could be a spot for him. And I think he would help out Belleville's power play for a little bit. I just, so many teams, like we're looking in the playoffs, like think about successful teams, Ross, like um, the Florida Panthers, for, for example. So much success in the regular season. And then what happens in the playoffs? The power play dries up and you're you're screwed. So if you have a defenseman that... That's his main specialty, and he's going to focus on making sure you're successful on the power play. I just think that's such a big bonus. So I'm a big Matias Havlid fan. 20 points in his last 10 games of the season. He's a New Year's Day birthday, January 1st, 2004. And, and the offensive numbers just jump off the page here. You look at what he did at the World Under-18s, 12 points in six games, pretty much the opposite of what we saw from Salomonson. And then he's wearing the A as well. He's got a little bit of leadership there internationally for Team Sweden. So that impresses me a lot. But again, you got to take the deficiencies with the strengths and decide what's worthwhile. And that's why it's a another divisive prospect when we look at our, um, our group of scouts here that are just unsure whether he's a first-round pick or maybe even a late third. So that's what we have on Matthias Havlitt. All right, Pilsy, why don't we hit one more final break here? Then we've got two more prospects to do and friend of the show, Ian Mendez, for almost half an hour. It's an extremely packed Friday episode of Locked On Senators. Yeah, it certainly is. And if you're looking to have an action-packed night of sports watching, well, why not get a little action on the game? Get off the sidelines, get into the action with betonline.net. It's the number one source for all your latest odds, totals, playoff performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is your top spot. It's the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. All your sports betting needs, head to BetOnline.net and BetOnline.ag. It's the best spot for scores, podcasts, and news. And it's not just hockey, guys. NBA Finals are coming up. The Warriors back in the mix here. Not everyone loves to see that, but it's great theater, that's for sure. So you can get in on that boxing, UFC, even Olympic coverage. When that comes around, you can get it at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. And sometimes you got to go all in like I did yesterday on Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day, and it works out for you. So that's something to get excited about. I'll have a parlay at the end of this episode. It's betonline.net, 
where the game starts. Coming in at number 46 on our rankings, Matias Sepulvalev. Another Matias here. Back-to-back Matias's. And he, this is, we talked about some undersized uh, defenseman, Ross. Well, this is not an undersized centerman. He sits at six foot four, 190 pounds in 68 games played. He had 18 goals, 34 assists, good for 52 points in his rookie season in the OHL with the Saginaw Spirit. And if you're watching on YouTube, Ross has the rankings up here. I would say these rankings are, are a little more close together. And it seems like scouts kind of have the same opinion on him, um, different than some of the prospects we just looked at. Yeah, interesting to note that Scott Wheeler is the lowest on him at 64th on his rankings. Then working our way up, Craig Button has him at 46. Elite Prospects at 41. Chris Peters at 38. And Bob McKenzie at 30 for an average of 44.2. I noted here he's got the same hometown as Yermer Yager, Cladno, which is noteworthy. It's a town of 60,000. It's not like yeah. it's a big city or anything. And I like that he came over... To play in North America, of course, it was delayed a year because he was, well, waiting for the pandemic restrictions to end and be able to play. So last season, he spent playing in the under-20 league in the Czech Republic, only got to play 12 games, sorry, six games there, had 11 points, clearly dominating his age group in his smaller country, got to play even in the second Czech league for Kladno, where he had just three assists in 12 games. But Pilsy, he came over here to the OHL and became the fourth leading scorer among rookies in the Ontario Hockey League. What strengths does he bring to the table? Well, his strengths are his strength. <laughs> just to just to be simple, when you're six foot four, 190 pounds in the OHL, you gotta use that size to your advantage. And he certainly did that. He's able to win board battles. He works hard in front of the net. And the reason he was so high up in rookie scoring Ross in the OHL is he was a top center on this team your first year. So a lot of responsibility thrown at him. And it was a tough season for the Saginaw Spirit, though. They were the second worst team in the OHL in kind of all categories. Like it was just not a great season for them. But if you're uh, Matthias Sapovalov, it's it's great for you. You get the opportunities to play a big role. And for such a big guy, he still has soft hands, and he's a playmaker, especially on the bumper spot on the power play. I saw a couple of highlights where he's just able to read the play so well. Like, before he even gets the pass, Ross, he has his head up, and he's aware, and he knows where he's going to move that puck before it's even on his stick. And that's where there's a lot of value in hockey IQ and having a big guy that can create the space to get open. And he's like, okay, now I'm open. I'm going to receive the pass. I got a teammate in the slot. As soon as I get it, it's going over to him and you're getting a goal. Kind of kind of similar to the McDavid uh, game winner, Ross. When Dreisaitl gets the pass, he gets crunched right away, but he knows McDavid's right there. I'm saucing it over to him and it leads to a great goal. So that's the kind of playmaking ability that uh, Sapovalov has. Now, if I'm looking at his weaknesses, it's got to be his skating. He's got he's to smarten that up. I mean, it up. makes sense for a guy that size. Well, yeah, you're growing into it, but that's why I put center slash left wing because I think this left shot centerman might find his way as a winger at the next level because one thing that he's really good at, and I was watching the Elite Prospects draft meeting. They've got it all chaptered out, so I was able to just focus in on what Sapovalov does. And one thing that Mitch Brown was really impressed with, guest on this show, Mitch Brown, he was able to really 
delay coming out of the offensive zone, almost like he realizes that skating isn't his biggest strength. So what he'll do is he's great, like you mentioned, at protecting the puck, and he'll able to get it at the defensive blue line, and then he just stops up kind of, waits for guys to get some speed, and then he's able to find them in seams through transition. Not only that, but in the offensive zone, his vision's great. He's delaying. He's moving the puck around, getting everyone involved. But then he's able to use his big frame and get in front of the net and try to tip pucks as well. So I think that his process is there. It's just, can your feet move and keep up with what your brain and your hands are telling you to do? I think that's going to be his biggest challenge getting to the next level. Yeah, and that's fair. And Ross, I actually think the points you just laid out – strengthen the argument that he should be a centerman right because he he needs to wait for speedy wingers to come up the zone he likes to rove around use his big body he doesn't want to be stuck somewhere where he can be like oh there's a left winger that needs help on the board battle boom swing in there and help out and win that battle get the puck let the winger go up and then pass it to him in in stride and also when you're a big body, that helps as a centerman, and he uses it to win in the faceoff dot. Uh, according to hockeywriters.com, he won around 50% of his faceoffs in a rookie season as a first line center in the OHL. So if you're already able to do that right away, I've got a lot of faith that he's only going to get better at it and he's going to continue to use his size in a great way. And Hockey writers also, they made a comparison to him to Jordan Stahl. And I really like that comparison because big center that you know you're not an offense first guy but put in the right situations again uh, example Jordan Stahl shorthanded two-on-one he made a great sauce pass over the body and found Vinny Trocek for a great goal and that's something I think uh, this guy could do as well when he's in the right spots he can do it but he's also a good two-way guy so definitely he has skills all around the only I get kind of a red flag maybe an amber flag not quite bright red but he gives me Logan Brown vibes, Ross, because he's a mm. big guy, soft hands, but doesn't throw big body checks. And at I, all. No, not at all. And I'm just worried that we're going to end up getting infatuated with the size and the hands. And when it comes to the NHL, he just can't put it all together. And he ends up just being a, just a big man. And that's, that's not what you want with a high second round pick. So for me... I gave uh, Matias Sapovalov three stars for the Sens to select him. Yeah, I did two and a half. I think, again, okay. just with the way that DJ Smith likes to have the the roster play fast, I'm yep. just not sure that he's a fit, especially down the middle. Now, NHL Central Scouting had him at 13 on the mid-rankings of North American skaters. And again, a little bit of a weird situation there because he's from Europe, but they yeah, have okay. where, where they're playing right now. Gotcha. So obviously being in Saginaw, OHL, he moved. He moved down to 23rd from 13th onto his final ranking. So it could be a guy who falls in the draft. But also, I think this is the prime candidate for a team who has multiple picks in the first couple of rounds. You can yep. kind of take a high-risk, high-reward situation here with Matias Sapovalov. All right, Pilsy. For the final ranking today, we are going back to the OHL. Coming in. At number 45, we are going with Hunter Haight. And no, he's not from the WHL. <laughs> an Ontario Hockey League guy playing for the Barry Colts. Ross, I like a lot of things about Hunter Haight. And we'll just go uh, over his profile here before I get into it. He's at 5'10", 172 pounds, right shot centerman. He played 63 games, 22 goals, 19 assists, good for 41 points. And then in the playoffs, six games, one goal, four assists, good for five points. 
What I like most about this guy, Ross, is he is confident. Like if you watch any highlights of this kid, he has no problem going in, uh, being outnumbered. Like I saw him go a one on two, just him against two defensemen. His other line mates were uh, getting a change and he just danced around both of them, making both of them look silly. And I don't think he scored on that play, but he had a great shot on that and a great uh, something out of nothing opportunity. And then combine that good stick handling with he's a dual threat playmaking and he has a nice release and then add on to that he's a good skater so just there's so many things to like about him and that's why the Barry Colt selected him ninth overall in the uh, priority selection draft again the 2020 draft because the OHL did not play last year so he's in that same boat with the Ludwitskis of the world and a couple other guys that we've done throughout our coverage where they had all this potential, all this momentum coming out of minor hockey, but aren't able to continue it right away. Like his last year playing minor hockey had 32 goals in 33 games, 58 points, and then finished it off with 26 points in 16 playoff games for elegant Middlesex. But then he carried it what he could, like 22 goals. I don't think that's anything to put up your nose at. And he was, I mean, not among the leaders of rookie scoring like the last guy we did, but also still a guy who's contributing, playing a top six role as in his first year and has the tools, which is why Elite Prospects has him at 34 on their rankings. Craig Button at 38 and then Bob McKenzie down at 60. Only ranked again by Scott Wheeler as an honorable mention and Scott Wheeler put out a top 64. So it doesn't quite make the cut there for him. We have him at 45 with an average rank of 40. Three. I know you mentioned a few things you like about him, but is there one separating quality for you that makes him a must-draft type guy? For Hunter Hate, I would say his separating quality is, is the confidence because a lot of these guys, you know, you're you're just getting into the OHL. It's your rookie season. You're not quite sure you can pull off these things. You don't want to get caught looking silly trying to pull off a move and it's a turnover the other way and it goes against you. That's going to sit you on the bench for a couple shifts. So. But he's not worried about that because he knows his ability. And I think Hunter Hate, the, there's a couple of highlights I saw. He is the exact type of guy you want to have the puck on his stick for a two-on-one. Because the goalie and the uh, opposition defender, they can't cheat shot or pass. If they cheat one, he's just as good at the other. Like if the defender says, okay, I'm going to take the shot away here, no problem. I'll get around you and make a quick pass for a one-timer backdoor to my teammate. If they cheat pass... Sweet. Thanks for giving me the space. I'll go top cheese on your goalie. How about that? So Hunter Hate, I just think that there's so much to like about him. And uh, Dylan Galloway from FC Hockey said he's a two-way pivot. So he's good defensively as well that can contribute in all three zones. And he applauded his ability to make great passes. Kind of just what I talked about there. And now for some knocks on him. Classic. The, the knock on him is he needs to bulk up. Like he gets loose pucks. He loses those battles sometimes. It's easy to strip the puck off him if you're a bigger guy. So I think that's where just with time, you're going to you're gonna see him improve there. Yeah, I really like this prospect. We'll get yeah. to our stars in just a moment. But uh, here we can pull up his elite prospects. And April 4th, birthday. And a guy who from Stratroy, Ontario. So good Ontario boy. I mentioned the stats there with Elgin Middlesex. The playoff numbers really stand out. He's a guy to me where I think he would have put up similar numbers if he had played last year as well. So then how much more confidence a guy who's already full of it would that carry have carried over into this season with the Barry Colts? Now, we know Barry, 
they're pr- pretty blessed with a couple offensive players like uh, Brant Clark comes to mind yep. right away as a guy who helps carry them. Actually, having some trouble loading elite prospects today. Not sure what's going on there. Oh, here we go. Yeah, like Brant Clark, e- Ethan Cardwell, two older players who were able to kind of carry the mail for them offensively this season. They had Oscar Olison who came in and had over a point per game. He was a first-round pick of Colorado last season. So I'm looking at Hunter Hayde as a guy with even more potential to jump up into that category. I know they're graduating those upperclassmen this year, but when you're looking at Hayde, I got him at four stars. I really like the type of player that he is. I think his mold fits into what the Senators like as a draft pick. And sometimes when I hear that they must bulk up as the detractor for them, it makes me think that there's not anything yeah. that's like noticeably glaring in their game that they can pick apart. So I like him a lot. I've got him at four stars. Yep, Ross, I'm right there with you. I got him at four stars as well. And I think, like you mentioned, if he would have had that year last year to get his feet wet in the OHL, we would have seen a massive boost here because from some of the reports I'm reading, it's saying that he had a slow start and then he exploded in the second half. So if he was able to have that consistency, and you saw he had a good playoffs as well. So I think he would have benefited from that as well. I think he's just scratching the surface offensively. I think he's only going to get better. And then he can work on defensive-wise. And I think he's someone that if he does get a little bit bigger, he can be a center in the pros just because he's such a dual threat pass shoot option and his defense isn't that bad. So yeah, Hunter Hate, I got him at four stars. We will get back to the countdown on Monday, but with that, it will be three per day now as we're going to go a little bit deeper. We've got some more information on these guys, and then we will get down to the first round, only doing two per show. If you missed any, you can go to YouTube if you just want bite-sized clips of each and every one of our prospect rankings. But let's get to our friend of the show, Ian Mendez. All right, we are now very pleased to welcome back a friend of the show, officially, now that we've shaken his hand and met in person, it's senior writer with The Athletic, Ian Mendez. Welcome back to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today? Guys, doing uh, doing fantastic. Coming uh, at you from Barhaven, where I got my uh, power back today after six days. So feeling really fortunate. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people in the community uh, don't have their power back, have their homes. It's, it ha- have had some damage to their property. It's been a really... It's been a really weird week in Ottawa, um, just with all of that going on in the in the, in the backdrop and stuff. So, um, yeah. Anyway, feeling feeling really fortunate and, uh, and and always thankful to join you guys. What's the one thing that when your power got turned back on, you're like, "This is something I always took for granted." And when you got it back, you're like, "Oh, I'm so thankful for this now." Hot shower, like yeah. I, I, I took – so we didn't have power from Saturday till Friday morning. So, you know, whatever, five and a half days, whatever. And in that time, I took two showers that lasted under a minute total running time because the, the water's ice cold, right? And but and here's the other thing, and I, and I want to point this out because the community in Ottawa is amazing. The amount of people that reached out to me either via DM on Twitter, email, text, and then obviously all our friends – that said, hey, you want to come over for a hot shower? Come on over. You need to do That's some laundry, awesome. do some laundry. And there's two people I want to point out that that you would be familiar with that really helped us out, uh, out of a pinch. The first would be Brent Wallace, who nice. on, Mo- I think, I can't remember now if it was Monday or Tuesday or whatever, um, said, I can't, well, you guys are out of power? I can't believe it. And drove over. He had borrowed a, uh, a gas generator. 
from somebody. <laughs> and so that was huge because it got our fridge running again, yes. our Wi-Fi. And Brent came over, set it all up, um, just you know, drove all the way out from Stittsville and, and did that. And the other person is a guy that I host my podcast with all the time. Most people know him as Down Goes Brown, uh, but I know him as Sean uh, McIndoo. And he lives, literally, guys, if I walked out my front door, I could get to his house 12 minutes walking around the corner. He never lost power. And he was shocked. He was like, what do you mean you don't have power? So every day he was he had this uh, portable charging uh, kind of device. Uh, he would bring it over. We would charge uh, our phones, our laptop, whatever. And then at the end of the day, I would drive it back to his house. And he drove it back every morning, charging it back up at his house. Um, you know, never complained, always offered, hey, do you guys need to do laundry, shower? So that's the one thing I really feel like uh, everybody stepped up. And I wanted to share those two stories because those – are two people that you know? I'm sure your your audience and you guys are, are familiar with. Absolutely, that's great to hear that it's back. Yeah. Pillsy shouted out the hydro workers, and that's important yeah. as well. Man, what a what a tough situation all around. But glad that it's on its way to being resolved. As every day, it seems like more homes are getting back onto the grid. They said like to get each day, they're using like a month's worth of power, but it's going to be worth it in the end, and the community will be stronger for it as well. Just like even photos from my parents, just the destruction from around the city, but. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's tough. Nothing you can do but kind of come together in these tough times. And great to see that you're back up and running. You got the lights on in the background and the That's lights right. went off in the minds <laughs> of Sens fans with your most recent on the athletic, the fan survey. You did this last year as well. And I love the side by side comparison. And now we're getting that data flow of what's more and what's less in terms of trust, especially found it interesting for the coach and GM. But I think we had you on last year after and I'll start with the same question. Which answer surprised you the most? Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? Like I think, um, you know, and and last year when I did the survey, a lot of the questions were about things like, hey, what do you want to do with the Seattle expansion draft? And you think Brady Kachuk can sign? Like so, year over year, there's some differences, right? Like obviously with the news cycle, but there were a couple of things that were the same, which is you know trust level in Pierre Dorian, trust level in DJ Smith, that type of thing. Um, if I was looking at this year's survey, uh, you know, a couple of things jumped out at me. I would say, like, first of all, like, I asked the question about Mark Stone. And I just thought, you know, let me throw this out there because Ottawa needs a top six forward. And theoretically, a right winger would be the guy that would fit. And I just threw out the idea, hey, what if Mark Stone, like Vegas is up against the cap and maybe they want to change some things. What if they, in some crazy scenario, they made Mark Stone available? And 66, I think it was 66% of people there. Look at that. There we go. Um, you guys got to, um, look at this. this is like I'm being on TV again. This is, this is phenomenal. Guys, <laughs> Welcome uh, to the show. So, so look at this. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Almost 65% of people are like, nope, there's too many injury concerns. And so think about that. Like one of the most popular players in franchise history who fits the bill of exactly what you need right now. A lot of fans. I, I think that one kind of surprised me, but I don't know. Maybe you guys voted. Uh, no. I, I was one of those that voted no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and that's, which that's is fair. interesting. Yeah, because the, the day after the trade, the week, month, even a year after the trade, I would have said absolutely. Yes. But now yep. you got that that injury concern. And I mean, we saw it with, with Alfie kind of persevere through that. But the back injury, all of a sudden, he wasn't playing 82 games a year anymore. He was still effective in the games he was playing. But all of a sudden, it was 55, 60 and all that, and then you look at the cap hit on top of that, That's and Sens fans right now are already doing the mental gymnastics of we. Last time you were on, we discussed Josh Norris's contract, yeah. and I actually want to touch on the Tim Stutzla question you asked. 
eight years, $8.5 million right now, where you were saying, hypothetically, if that's an offer, do you sign that? Pilsy, what did you answer for that question? I think I answered yes, uh, because I would, if there's anyone I would I'm going to bet on... Oh, I would take a boat to Germany and uh, I would (laughs) take those papers to him myself if the power was out. I'd forget over there. That's an absolute steal. But how high would you go this summer, Ian, with with Tim? Well, it's so this is interesting to me because, and I threw out the number eight and a half because look, Kachuk's uh, cap hit is about 8.2, right? So the feeling is. and this is where I think Pia Dorian deserves some credit and the and the team deserves some credit. Like the core of this team is you kind of feel like Kachuk is the high water mark. And it, you know, maybe somebody can get a touch higher, but but it's not 10 million. It's not 10 and a half million. It's not Toronto right? Maple like, Leafs territory, let's yeah, just say that. And, and and so you feel like you can get a little bit more in there. And boy, Stutzla to me. Eight and a half million. Like I, I'm with you guys. Like if, if if Tim Stutzla and his camp said, you know what, make us the highest paid player on an eight eight year deal, and give us you know whatever that is that takes you about seventy million or whatever it is over eight years. And uh, I, I'm blown away. You guys are so slick here. Like boom, cap friendly is up as we're, we're talking Ross. about this. Uh, I I think if you could get him at eight and a half, like like if you're asking me where I would go, like North. I would almost go up to nine million per. Like I, I think I saw enough out of him that I think it was what thirty-one points in his last thirty games or something. You know, something along those lines. Point a game guy down the middle, and he was driving play right. Like he was, he looked electric. He looked dynamic. He looked creative. He looked he, 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 all the things that you thought he might be when they drafted him in twenty twenty. He looked like it down the stretch. So. I would do it. I understand that like 30% of people answer the question like, nah, I still kind of need to see a little bit more. And I and I get it. I understand it. Um, but I, I just think that this guy potentially has the ceiling to be a game breaker with this team. Like, like I don't know, like maybe in a year or two from now, are we going to be talking about, is he the most talented player to ever put on an Ottawa jersey? I really feel, I feel that way about him. And I don't mean any disrespect – to Marion Hosa, Jason Spezza, Marty Havlat, like whoever you want to put, Carlson, whoever you want to put on that list of the most talented players to ever put on the the jersey, I think he might be in that same breath. And this is going to be fun. So, yeah, put me in. Like if you said eight times nine, 72 million, I'm in. I think I would be in for that. And we've only seen two years of Tim Stutzla, and we're already coming yeah. to these conclusions. So it's only going to get better, you hope. Now, Ian, the one thing I noticed from the difference from last year's survey to this year, the most glaring differences I noticed were fans' opinions about Pierre Dorian's job. I think when you look at the grade percentage, a lot of fans were, I think they were happy with some of the moves that were made, and they could see the optimism there. But then a lot of those moves kind of fell flat on their face this season and it just didn't work out. And now fans have kind of shifted. Where do you, where do you think um, things are going with Pierre Dorian and his job here? And how crucial is the start of next season for the Sens for his job? Yeah, it's it's huge. And, and I think you even heard it a little bit in his voice when he did the interview on 1200 on Wednesday. Uh, where like all of a sudden it felt like, damn, that number seven pick is in play. Right. Yes. Like it, it really feels. And the reason why that would be in play is because I think they've shifted to a, we got to do something and we got to win now. So I look at the results of this survey and I think uh, like DJ Smith, like year over year, the grade for DJ Smith was about the same. Like uh, the, like the people that gave DJ Smith a B 
for the job he did in 2021, 2020, 2021, was about the same as they gave him a B. Like, there wasn't a huge drop-off. But Pia Dorian, there was a significant drop-off in the number of fans willing to give him a, a good mark for the job that he did. But I think if you – and when we speak to Pierre, he knows that this is a big offseason, right? This isn't like he's in denial. He knows it. And I think the way I phrased it in kind of my analysis of this, look, I think a lot of people are down on Pierre Dorian right now, and rightfully so, but they can all change with the snap of a finger, like with one significant change. And and I think like for, for all of the – uh, you know, hand wringing that goes on sometimes, and um, and I, I I thought your poll question that you put out yet was it yesterday or two the the one of the trade that the damn like which, which is yeah. the worst trade for Ottawa like that was almost yeah. a fifty fifty split right well, yeah. was it not between on the, the dot fifty point one right now the, to forty nine and the and the uh, Zibanejad yeah. deals and I know that a lot of people will gravitate towards that and say this guy should not be the general manager but then uh, at the same time like. The Carlson trade, I think, is going to end up being this generation's equivalent of the Yashin trade. Yes. Like, it, it, it is. It, it already has become that. And the ability for him to get Shabbat, Kachuk, Batherson done long-term, like, you got to give him some credit. Like, so it's a very mixed bag. Like, I'm saying, like, we're on the fence with this guy. So yeah. now you now you need to tip the scales back in your favor. Like for all the negativity and everything, there's some positivity. It's like I am right on the fence with him. So make a good trade, and it's uh, I think a lot of it will be uh, forgotten, and people will say, you know what, the good outweighs the bad. But if you go through the summer, and it's another summer where you talk about we need a top six forward, a top four D, and we get back to mid September, and neither of those things have been accomplished, I think there's going to be a lot of anger. Uh, in the marketplace, I just don't think they can get there. So I, I, I think he knows the uh, the heat is on him, and I think he knows he's got to pull off something special. But and this is where I think it's really important. They need to start acting like we're dealing from a position of strength. Yes, we have cap space. Like we have cap space. It is the great, uh, it is the greatest asset you can have as an NHL team in 2022 is cap space. Right, ask ask Vegas, ask oh, you know a whole bunch of teams that are up against it. Use it, weaponize it, and and I think you can improve your team here. Well, Pierre Dorian boots on the ground in Winnipeg. Just while we're on him, can you please confirm that he does not look like my dad? Because Pillsy's Pillsy's saying that he looks like my father. Where's your dad? Okay, is there a photo of your dad? <laughs> yeah, that's available? fair. You need to have. Hey, a how comparison. would I know? Yeah. How would I know when I'm looking? Well, that's fair enough, but man, this was hilarious. You know what he said to me? He said, "Thanks for being a fan. I know it's hard sometimes." So he is at least <laughs> self-aware. He, he, you that. know, he, you know, for all of the, uh, you know, again, the hand wringing and some of the negativity that goes on, I think you probably you saw it in that interaction there, like as you kind of like, yeah. like when you just get him off the record, just kind of like super he can nice be guy. really funny, self-deprecating, um, you know, like a regular human being. Like, like yeah. a regular guy, I think sometimes the pressure of you know questions and uh, stuff will will sometimes get to him. But wait, do we have a picture of your dad yet here? Or like, is that no, is no? That... I'll I'll find one for you. <laughs> but he he meant more in the way that like he could be my dad rather than looking like my dad. Okay, so let's put that back up there again. Let's one let's, let's... I'll, I'll pull it up here. 
Let's let's see. This is why you got to watch on YouTube, everyone. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And and for those who are listening, I mean, you're still getting the great analysis here of one Ian Mendez, senior writer at The Athletic, co-host of The Athletic Podcast every Monday, right, Ian? Uh, Yeah, Monday's uh, Monday's usually with Haley and uh, Thursday's uh, with with Down Goes Brown. So, okay. So let's analyze this photo a little bit. All right. So if we're if we're looking at this and saying this is a father's son, uh, you know, body language, I'm not feeling it. Um, no. There's no arm around each other. It feels like your <laughs> colleagues or so. You know what I mean? Like this, this doesn't feel like it's it a feels familial like we're at a, we're at a scouting meeting. Okay, you're at a scouting meeting. Now let's start to analyze some of the features here. S- similar height, very similar. Oh height. man, the height is. You guys are you're exactly the same height. What are we? Well, if, five, I, I, if I had the ten? man's bridge, he might even get me uh, up a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. The hairline doesn't. It's not matching up. Um, <laughs> the ears. No, I, I don't know. I. You know what? No, I don't. I do not yes. think you could be your dad. No. Billsy, that <laughs> narrative is officially dead. Beardoran, you are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this, is like, this is like that old, was it Maury Povich? Maury. Or like one of those, those old talk shows where <laughs> we expose. Well, let me tell you, Pierre, you dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Save oh, yourself geez. some stress. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, Ian, I was at the Winnipeg ice game where that oh. photo was, and I'm just sitting there. I'm a, a couple Fort Gary uh, deep at that point. Turn around, and he's literally standing within five feet of me. I went, what are the chances of this? So I thought there's either three things that are going to happen. He's either going to recognize from the podcast, which I was like, far cry, obviously didn't. He's going to take a photo, or he's going to tell me to screw off. I said, any of those are great content. Oh, he wouldn't tell you to screw. You know, he, you know what? Like I said, he's a he's a very yeah. personable guy. When you just, I, I talk to a lot of people who run into him at you know wherever, and they're like, he's a really nice guy. Now, did you mention the like when you took the photo? Did you mention the pod after? After, because he sounded. Did you shocked. welcome in as a guest? No, but I am gonna send an email to it Chris works. and and say, hey, we met. Welcome you know, in. Be nice I, to you come. You know on. what? I, I bet you he might. would do it because uh, again, like I think. I think uh, he would do know. it right after they pull the trigger for Kevin Fiala. You know, when, when things are feeling <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. It's all about timing, right? Yeah. Now, I want to end off with that, Ian, because we're talking about offseason. It's huge. What's your number one must accomplish outside of signing Norris? Because we already talked about that with you. You know, what, what I thought was really interesting, too, from the results of our uh, survey we did with The Athletic, was it was, like, legitimately split. I asked the question in a couple of places uh, and one of the way, one of the questions I, I, the way I phrased it was, what's a bigger priority for you, finding a reliable partner for Thomas Shabbat, or finding a productive winger for Tim Stutzla? And it was pretty darn close. I think the the winger for Stutzla edged out the the partner for for Shabbat. But if you're asking me, um, I keep flip flopping on this, and I'm really disappointed in myself that I keep flip flopping and. I think if I like, if you told me, okay, you can only pick one. I don't think you guys are going to like this answer. I think I would go with the defenseman, and okay. and 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 I say that because if you add Sanderson to the mix, I think he's going to be really special, and I think he's going to be able to eat 17, 18 minutes a night next year. And what I'd love to see is him paired with Artem Zub. Like I yep. think if you put Sanderson Agreed. and Zub together. Um, I think that's your best case scenario for making Sanderson successful out of the hop. But that leaves you still with Shabbat looking for a partner. And Hamannick, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think Travis Hamannick, I don't want people to – like, he is an NHL defenseman, okay? He is. I, I don't like it when I hear people saying, 
that guy's not. I think he is an NHL defenseman. But I and think what does a might... third round pick have in terms of potential of being an NHL? Yeah. I feel like people are a little hard on that trade, myself included, where you're yeah. like, oh, asset management, they wanted to get rid of him. But when you take a step back, you're like, you're getting a legitimate NHLer for a piece that has, what, a 25% chance at best of becoming that? Yeah. Like, like I, I think at the end of the day, like he is, I think he's only got one year left, right? Like Hamadik's mm-hmm. got one more year yep. left. But so he if, does have a I signing think... bonus, which is Ooh. very strange for the Sens to go for that. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that Vancouver didn't have to eat any money, money, whatever. Yeah. Okay, but to me, if your third pairing is some combination of Brandstrom, Hamannick, and uh, Holden, Holden, okay, suddenly do you not feel a little bit better about where this team is at? But then, what's the one piece that's missing? It's up, uh, up it's with Zaitsev replacement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I would say that because I think Matthew Joseph showed me enough in a, in a dozen games or whatever yeah, that fair. I'd be okay with Joseph, Kachuk, Norris on line one, Batherson, Stutzla, and then, you know, whatever that is. Even Probably if it's Formanton. But I, I like seeing – I want to see Batherson, Stutzla together for a long stretch, and I want to see Norris, Kachuk – like I'm into the duos, right? Like, And yes. I think Pinto and Connor Brown could be that duo. Yeah. And then I like kind of – you know, whether it's Kostelik and Parker Kelly or Kostelik yeah. and Austin Watson, whatever you want to do, like, then we could go plug and play. But this team's biggest issue in the last five years has been finding reliable defensive partners and keeping the puck out of their net. So let's build the from the back end out. So if I can only do one thing, I think I'm going for some help on the back end. Yeah, and I think I agree with all that. The only reason I shift more towards forward being a priority is because – I think it's more realistic. The issue is, obviously, it'd be ideal to find a top pair right shot defenseman for Thomas Shabbat, but that's just so hard to do. Like, if you're going to trade for that asset, it's going to cost you much more than it would to acquire a top six guy. If you're going to find a free agent like that, it's going to cost you much more than it would for a top six forward. And I think Thomas Shabbat is reliable enough that all you need to do is find him a partner that isn't Nikita Zaitsev. So even Hamina could work and he could, he could manage that for at least a little while. Whereas I think like we talked about, the duos are great. And I agree with you. I think Joseph on that top line with Norris and Kachuk is great, but I don't think Formanton is quite a top six guy. And I think then you're really not allowing Batheson and Stutzla to cook as much as they could if they had a proper guy on that wing with them. So that's where I, I agree that the priority is a uh, defenseman, but I don't think it's as realistic. So I shift to let's focus on getting a top six forward because there's some names out there We've talked about a lot of Fiala, Giroud that are probably going to be available and have been linked to the Senators. So that's where my mindset shifts. I don't know if if you agree with that. I'll tell you, the one thing I love is the idea of a third line of Formington, Pinto, yes. and Brown. Yeah. Same. Right? So if you can make that happen, uh, yeah. And and the other thing too, real quick, and I, I don't want to eat up too much of your time here, is it was pretty much split 50-50 on the Claude Giroux, like, hey, do you think that realistically Claude Giroux would sign in Ottawa? And it was like 50% say yes, 50% say no. And I I, I think that was fascinating to, to see that. Yeah, no doubt. I'm looking at it right now. 48.9. Yeah. Yes. And that's realistically think there's a chance. Not want him yes. to sign. I think that yeah. certainly the number would, would climb a little bit there. I'm of the mind that sucks Florida lost the way they did. But maybe – 
Do you buy into my spin zone, Ian? Hmm. Where Claude Giroux went to Florida. He saw yep. Joe Thornton, who went to Toronto and then Florida. Chasing a cup is a lot easier to do on paper than actually put it into perspective. Yeah, listen, and Jerome McGinley is the guy I always think of. Remember True. when Jerome left Calgary at the end and it was like Boston and Colorado, Pittsburgh, LA. Colorado, LA, and he chased, 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 yep. Yep. and he, he never got it. Thornton started chasing really late in his career, right? Yeah. Like, Marlowe like, was probably a better example. I just used Thornton because he was with him in yeah, Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But, I, you know, I I always like I always think, too, if I was a player, like I always love what Marion Hosa did. Like even when Hosa signed the one-year deal in Detroit, I know he took some heat for it. But if I was a player in my prime and I really wanted to – and I felt like, hey, I'm not going to be – in like injuries aren't a huge concern, I would be signing – I'd be signing two-year deals, one one and two-year deals all day long because I feel yeah. like I could – like that's what I love about N- the NBA. Like these guys sign, you know, two, three-year deals with opt-outs and they just – you know, let me just – it's musical chairs. I love it. Like yeah. I love the musical the NBA offseason is arguably better than the season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so if I'm Claude Giroux, I think I'm, I'm moving into that phase of, yeah, probably signing one or two-year deals. I just – I don't know if he would go to Ottawa – right now or if he needs to kind of check that box of a Stanley Cup first or maybe he come maybe maybe Otto has a great year next year and they they end up with 95 points they make the playoffs and maybe he signs a one-year deal somewhere maybe he comes here in the summer of 2023 that is the type of dreaming that we like to end off on we've been doing a lot of it through the offseason we're always following along with the athletic worth the subscription alone for the man Ian Mendez. You can also find him on the Athletic Podcast. Ian, really appreciate you coming on as always, and we'll do it again soon. That sounds good. Now, quick question. Are you guys are you guys making your way to Montreal at all for the draft, or what's going on? Pillsy, this is heartbreaking for me. Well, yeah, Ross is in a tough situation where he's going to be on a cruise in Greece uh, when it happens, so tough send your timing, thoughts, thoughts and prayers thoughts to, and prayers to, to Ross. How is that tough? Good. <laughs> I uh, I'm just hoping there's good internet. I need to be. I need to be in the mix. I know. Yeah. I need to be in the mix. This was actually supposed to be um, the summer of 2020, so it's been postponed two years now. Oh. So the timing sucks, though, because I love the NHL draft. I think Pillsy's might might be sneaking up to Montreal. Yeah, may, I might do a solo trip, but uh, we'll see how things shake out. If the Sen- if this was the 2020 draft and the oh. Sens had picks three and five book it we're already there like we had planned on going ross and i and then of course uh that didn't end up happening so i'm a little i'm a little less excited and as a sense fan i don't really want to be there in montreal when (laughs) montreal selects first overall so good point uh, yeah we are gonna make it out to a draft though i know you went to north dakota last year it's not the same without uh without jake sanderson in the mix but if you are thinking about going back to ralph next year that's a trip we're gonna make definitely to see the k train in action you know what? We got to set up, and and even if it's a game like like a uh, a game in Buffalo or a game like somewhere, we got to set up a locked on sends roadie. We plan oh, yeah. it out. I would be there. Winnipeg, me in. let's go. Winnipeg, let's do, let's do it. There we go. Okay. You know where let's I actually want to go next year. Next year, okay. I know it's probably a little further, and Buffalo makes more sense. Detroit probably makes sense. Vegas. I've always wanted to see a game. Vegas is good. <laughs> Arizona, we we'd probably fill half their stadium. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I do want to see a game in Minnesota. That seems like a good. Oh, it's spot. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a short drive for you too, right? Yeah, from, exactly. From yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. But let's keep that in mind. I think that having Ian as our headliner, Pillsy, it could only help. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The one Let's thing that's it. already locked in is the home opener. We're making yeah. that happen. 
And uh, and we expect you to be there kissing babies and signing autographs for us. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Stick taps to Ian for joining us. Always appreciate his time. What an absolute legend of the industry, Pilsy. A monster Friday episode. Let's end it off on a high note because you're feeling good. Pilsy's parlay of the day hits yesterday, and you are now 5-8 and eight in this postseason. And Ross, both times I went all in, I survived. So staying alive here, Pilsy's playoff parlay of the oh, day. Oh, 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 staying alive, staying alive. alive. <laughs> well, now you're buzzing. Take us yeah. into the weekend with the big winner. Yeah, so so now I've got uh, a whopping $36.83 in my account. So look out, things are going to get crazy now. But only one game here. So I don't have a lot of options for a parlay. Look, the St. Louis Blues, it's been great what they're doing. They're hanging on. But we all want to see the McDavid versus McKinnon show. So let's just wrap this up. And Colorado's going to win this game here. Minus 164 for the money line. And then... Who doesn't like to see goals? So I don't know if this is going to hit, but I, life's too short to bet the under. So I'm going with the over. The over's at six and a half at minus 114 odds. So we're going to get back to our normal unit here. Put 10 bucks in to win $20.22. That is Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day. Well, the over hit in the last game. So let's hope mm-hmm. that continues. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for stopping by Locked On Senators. A massive jam-packed Friday show. we got to thank Ian Mendez for joining us as well. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>